Ready? The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. I hope so. Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody that's here. It's 1018. You really started at 1018? I did. We got some new friends at BHIS. This is not one of them. He's John, this was literally the most dangerous thing that could happen to Wallace Hackenfest during the event. What's that? The cat. The cat? Yeah. Now, what was that? Was that what conference was that where the cat went across yeah. your keyboard? And... That was your training class. Was it my training class? That was yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, he enabled the, the webcam and microphone and then just sat on the keyboard and started doing all kinds of stuff. Should we talk about the fly from the debate? No, no, just kidding. No, stop. I mean, I like the memes. I like the memes associated with it. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I don't want to get political, but I'm going to say fly for president. I I, I feel pretty (laughs) confident about that. I think we've seen the best candidate now. I think we've seen the best candidate. As soon as the fly landed, I immediately went to Twitter to see the response. I was like, and they did not disappoint. Yeah, they did did a fantastic job. People still watch the debates? Some people do. I did. did. I'm a a political science major. Mm. If you're bored, if you're bored and you have anything else to do, it's it's a good laugh. <laughs> also, a political science major here. Here's a topic for discussion. I need that story. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I, I've heard John's story. I need to hear this story. There's a lot of political scientists in in security. Tara is is a poli sci major. Yeah, we're there. Trust us. I I wanted to to do the the hacking thing, the information security thing. There just wasn't a path for that at the time that I was looking for majors. I kind of came from a bit of a military background as well, military upbringing. I just saw that like cybersecurity, cyber war was going to be a big thing. But all the the paths to that were you either did computer science and building websites, or you did computer engineering where you were working with chips. So I said, well, I'm going to go a political route so that I understand that geopolitical side of things, and eventually the industry might catch up with training certifications to where I can get the information security chops there, which I did go back and get later, and just kind of went from that, kind of understanding both sides of of things there. That's grown into be a big industry, because back when I started, everybody said, "You you can't legitimately be a hacker. You've watched too many of those 1990s movies, and that's not a real career path. And now here we are. I, I, you know, and that seems to be a theme. Like a lot of people that that got started back then, they were like, "Well, you can't do this for a living." And I, I don't know, I don't know about you, but it was just something fun to do. So we just kept doing it, right? And it yep. turns out we were right. They were a bunch of suckers. I, I don't honestly know. You know, this is kind of a mentor webcast, so this is on point and on theme, even though we're at the pre-show banner. I honestly don't know if any of you have degrees. <laughs> to be completely blunt, I've had uh, I've had some of our customers are like, "Well, what 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 percentage of your employees have like advanced degrees and basic degrees?" And I'm like, "CJ, I I forgot to ask that question. I don't we get that in our in the third party questionnaires all the time. I have like People 22 pieces of paper that say I'm certified in something. Mm. Yeah, I, can even, I have them like right here if you want to see them. I promise they're real." Dorian and I shared an office, and when we did, we covered an entire wall with certificates. It was huh. silly. Yeah. I have an associate's degree in filmmaking. 
Well, there you go. See, hey, that applies. I also have an associate's degree in filmmaking, <laughs> and I have I, an associate's degree in broadcast video production. <laughs> so you can tell them that. Yeah, that, there you go. We got we got two with associate's degrees in like filmmaking and broadcasting. Does that make you feel better? And then from the rest of us, we we have a couple of people with criminal records, and they're like, "Oh, well, criminal <laughs> records." But no, at some point, I probably should do like a breakdown and look at everyone's background and their degrees and things like that. But honestly, I just never really care. Why, John? It's been people. working just fine. We don't. No, I know, but working. I'd like to know because. You know, because I'm sure we're going to find like bizarre degrees, you know, in all kinds of weird fields. And people, a lot of people won't even have it. I'm not doing it because I want people to get their degrees, mind you. It's just it's just I, I think it would be interesting to see what people's backgrounds are. I would be playing Age of Vampires right now if I wasn't working. Well, well we ran out of things to talk about. That was quick. <laughs> We really are out of practice. Yeah, Kent and I are both business majors, if you weren't aware of that. I, I know we talk about it all the time, and it was an odd path to InfoSec, for sure. Kent, mm-hmm. you are muted. We cannot hear your... I said this is a great opportunity to have everybody together and talk about some sweet, sweet HR law. So let's start. <laughs> Go, Kent. You want to you turn the 97 or 105 people into 55? Go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well. I feel like Ken, you're sort of committed now, so you should just go, just go, just do it, just do it. Well, I, I can fill too much time with with exercises about how not to uh, run, how to a great ways to run your business into. Anyways, yep. How do you do a webcast with a thousand people? You start with five thousand people. Ryan, you should quit now. That's your best one for today. Just go. <laughs> Kent, how does accounting and finance translate to InfoSec? We we talk about this a lot that you have to have good business relationships in every department. And if you don't, then you are not being as effective in InfoSec as you should be. For HR's perspective, you know, they're the ones that control your policy procedure and enforcement. From an accounting perspective, uh, well, you got to have a friend where the money is. So, well, thanks for killing the mood, Kent. This is was a question he asked. <laughs> All right, we've reached 100 people. Appreciate banter. So, Adrian and Alex, thank you so much for joining us. We'll keep doing this as the um, as the hour progresses. But what we've seen is the most dedicated of Black Hills Information Security audience members show up a half hour early. So they're the most likely to participate in your upcoming event. Adrian, can you tell us a little bit about Trace Labs? And if you want, I can give you control if you want to like show something. If not, I'll just leave up this slide. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Jason. Uh, first off, thanks for having Alex and I here today. I don't need to share any slides. I can just chat okay. about what we're doing. But first off, I wanted to say that I think everyone else here on this panel has much more interesting degrees than myself. I have a plain old cybersecurity degree. Maybe I'm the only one who actually got a cybersecurity degree. doesn't make me very interested in what the, the plain route, probably back about five years ago. So happy to be here. Uh, here to talk about Trace Labs and our mission and such. So for those of you in the audience who aren't familiar with our organization, Trace Labs, we are a not-for-profit based out of Canada. 
So myself, I'm from Toronto, but our membership actually extends across the world as we're an international organization. And really how we started uh, a few years back was our founder, Robert Sell, he was doing search and rescue volunteering for about 10 years before founding Trace Labs. And Robert also worked in the infosec industry. So he would do cybersecurity by day, by night, he would go out and actually help find missing people physically, searching through forest areas, helping law enforcement on the ground. And really like in his work, doing search and rescue, he found that, you know, a lot of missing people aren't continuously looked for after the initial investigation. And he always wondered to himself, you know, I'm not looking for these people, then who is? And most of the time the answer was no one, unfortunately. So Robert was a regular attendee of DEF CON and all the B-Sides conferences. He'd always participate in the CTFs and he had this bright idea one day that, hey, maybe we can fuse a CTF with OSINT and Search and Rescue and create something called the Search Party CTF. And that's really what we created a few years back at Trace Labs. So the idea there with that is that we crowdsource InfoSec and investigator volunteers to use their OSINT skills to look for real clues on missing persons cases out there on the internet. And the idea with using OSINT here specifically was that everything would be you know, passive reconnaissance, meaning you can go look at social media profiles, you can go search on Google, use various tools, but you can't actually interact with any people when you're doing OSINT. Since it's all strictly passive, you're not friend requesting, emailing, calling, messaging, any of that stuff. So it was very safe and really allowed us to not interfere with any active criminal investigations from law enforcement. So essentially to sum it up, what we do is we take on active and cold cases from law enforcement agencies around the world. And we typically will publish about anywhere from six to 12 of these cases to one of our search party CTFs. And we have these monthly, actually, so they're all now virtual because of COVID. Call them the Rainy's Everson Search Party CTF. And then people can log on for typically six hours and actually spend time trying to submit flags for real pieces of OSINT against these cases. And then really what we do there is we have a bunch of volunteer judges, we call them, they're actually verifying every piece of OSINT submitted to us in real time. And Alex here is actually one of the leads for our judge group. So he oversees all that intel that's being submitted and you know verified in real time. And then furthermore, after we end a search party CTF, Alex and the team will actually go and take a second look at that intel and generate a custom intelligence report and all of that and really do a deep dive into uh, kind of summarizing all those leads. And then we provide that report to law enforcement. Alex, I'm not sure if you had anything to add to that around our process uh, to give more context there to the audience here. Yeah, so some of the additional context that, that I have, and again, this, this can slot in very well to InfoSec membership, is that we have a bunch of volunteer judges that help us filter the information that's coming through making sure that, uh, for instance, if we were, if our missing person was was named John Strand, we make sure that we get the right John Strand and that we're not getting a bunch of unrelated photos that come in. So that gets 
Yeah, John just kind of <laughs> shrugging his like shoulders what, there. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure somebody will give examples, but we just make sure that, that we're on the right track. That gives opportunity for, for mentorship for the judges there. This is a non-traditional CTF, so we're not just going after established flags. The judges are often are your mentors, are your advocates as well, helping to shape your tradecraft. And we get judges from all over the realm of industry. So some of our, our great judges are those that are not in the information security realm. They just ask a lot of good questions, get a good lot of good mentorship from the community in order to help establish some good OSINT techniques. Additionally, you know, beyond the judges being, you know, one level of filter for the intelligence, we then have it go to the reporting team and create create these reports and send them out to to law enforcement. And we have that just kind of at the global reach. I've been involved for I think probably over a year, somewhere between a year, year and a half. I think seeing that mentorship really just kind of grow between each other. It used to be that there were some questions that would just linger out there for a long time and, and go unanswered for a while. And now we just have a community that you see people that I've given answers and advice to that now they're answering questions and giving advice to others. And I really want to invite anybody that is an expert or is interested to join us. You can be a high-level contributor there, knowing a bunch of stuff about gathering intel. You can be somebody that comes in new and asks a lot of good questions, gets a lot of good answers, and just kind of stimulates that that uh, building of the community. Hey, Alex, people want to know you guys. Uh, you guys got any good success stories to tell us? Oh yes. Oh yeah. I can take Who that one. First? What? <laughs> I, I can take that one. Yeah. So we've been doing this for just over two years now. I'd say out of the, I think it's been 320 cases we've looked at over the past two years, we've had probably about five or 10 where some of our leads have actually led to law enforcement reopening a cold case or helping to track down a, a real missing person. One example of a success is we actually had an event at B-Sides Toronto last year. And uh, we had this one missing persons case where this guy went missing back in 2017. And one of our contestants was looking into him and managed to come across a YouTube channel that was you know, associated with one of the missing person's friends. So we started looking at the videos, combing through them. There was probably like 10 or so videos there. And he's looking through one and started looking through it frame by frame. And he noticed in one of them, he saw the missing person actually getting into this truck. And when he paused the video at this right moment, he was able, able to get the license plate of that truck. Now, for those of you who don't know, license plates in a law enforcement investigation are gold. Because they can now take that, run on their end, get addresses, phone numbers, names, and all of that. So we actually had law enforcement in the room with us when this happened. We gave that license plate to our contact. He actually followed up, got a new address that they didn't know about related to investigation. And they were able to dispatch a squad car in real time to go follow up on it. And after about a day or so of following up on the leads, talking to the neighbors around that address, they were actually able to confirm that the missing person was at that address. And they were actually able to close off that cold case. 
that's just one example of many that we've had over the past couple of years. Yeah, and a lot of the, the casework that we do helps law enforcement gain traction, either for um, where they, they feel that there's some leads out there that need to be explored, leverage just our community there to find some, some truly amazing things. I think we had some where we found activity of a missing person on social media after they went missing. I think they reverse image searched the pat the unique pattern that was on their chair and found that that was used in one spot and that was on public transit in a certain way and then they just pivoted from that to geolocating where this person drove by on a bus within the past week and when you have something to where they go they went missing three years ago and now we found activity of social media and where they drew, you know, a spot that they drove past within the past week. That's just amazing to law enforcement and really helps them gain traction. Oh, yeah. We've even seen uh, more interesting cases where contestants have analyzed brick patterns, something so obscure as like the pattern of bricks in the background of an image. And there's actually forums out there. I don't know if uh, a lot of you know this, that will teach you everything you need to know about brick patterns and where they are around the world and, you know, which one matches which country. And we've had contestants been able to kind of match those brick patterns to figure out, you know, where in the world that picture was taken. So the geolocating stuff we're seeing is really, really interesting in our events. Straight out of what you would see in, um, if you're familiar with it, Quiz Time um, on Twitter, it's a very popular thing where there's like geolocation challenges. But you see that knowledge and practice applied into our CTFs with uh, real missing persons cases. And you guys have a conference coming up, right? Oh, yeah. So we have a, a new conference coming up. This conference is called Conant. Um, you'll see it up on the screen here. Conant is actually uh, a new joint conference between Trace Labs, the Many Hats Club, if you're familiar with them, and then also another not-for-profit organization called the National Child Protection Task Force. And NCPTF, or National Child Protection Task Force, they're actually based out of the U.S. They're similar and not-for-profit to us. They're partners of ours. And what they actually do is they crowdsource mainly law enforcement volunteers to follow up on missing children cases and use more than just OSINT to investigate these because they are law enforcement officers. They have more access. So we're actually partnering with them on this conference. And this is going to be a full two-day virtual intelligence conference. We're going to have three tracks of talks on day one, the different intelligence tracks. If you scroll down the page here, Jason, we have um, some of the speakers already announced. So just at the bottom, uh, we have Nicole Beckwith talking about stuff around cyber threat intelligence. Benjamin Strick, um, you know, commonly known from uh, Bellingcat, BBC Africa, Charles Shire. Luke Phillips from NCA, Chris Poulter, founder of OSINT Combine, and some other great speakers that we're going to be announcing soon as well. So these, will, these talks will be on day one. Conference is free to attend for the talks. We do have a search party CTF on day two of the conference. Really, to just be transparent, the whole conference efforts are going to be raising funds to help support the work we're doing at Trace Labs and the National Child Protection Task Force as well. So we have a GoFundMe page set up for that. We're going to be doing some cool activities um, throughout the con. 
a couple of our organizers actually they have committed to dyeing their beards a funky color if we can reach a forty thousand dollar fundraising goal so james leolius also known as blackbeard if you're familiar with him from trace labs he has uh, volunteered to dye his beard if we reach that goal probably something like pink or orange or something funky there so some cool activities going on with that and if you want to sign up going back to the content page we have registration link there that will take you to our event where you can sign up for all of that and get involved it's happening the weekend of October 17th and 18th. That's a Saturday, Sunday. And it will be starting at about 10 a.m. Eastern, going to about 6 p.m. Eastern on uh, both days there. Well, I remember the first time I saw, like, because I come from a background of net wars and CTFs and things. And I was like, wait, a CTF to find missing people? Like, this is awesome. And it teaches people OSINT skills. Like, this is incredible. So thank you all for coming on today. And uh, if anyone has any questions, this is pre-show banter. The webcast will begin in 15 minutes. The webcast so, will on. I've got a question. One of the things that's that some of the, some of the situations I've worked at, have you ever found missing people? And I'm not talking about children, but you found missing people and they very clearly did not want to be found by their so family members. I'm not talking criminals and things like that. Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. To kind of clearly define our scope with Trace Lab, what we do is we come in the middle of an investigation. We assist by just gathering the leads. Sometimes we may find a missing person who may not want to be found. But what we actually do with the leads on that is we share it only with law enforcement. Okay. Don't share that with like the family or friends. So it would be up to law enforcement to make contact and see if you can make contact with that person and verify that they are you know well and out there and such. Yeah, because um, years so ago, really like one of yeah, yeah, years ago I was working a case where a wife disappeared and what it was kind of a sad story. She was actually being abused and she was trying to get out of abusive relationship. And uh, it was, it was one of those things where I realized there's a lot more complexity and nuance to some of these cases. Oh yeah, absolutely. You never truly know the reason behind it. Mm -hmm. Some cases we work, uh, they're commonly associated with human trafficking. So anything we can do to locate the victims of that um, really does help to combat that. But definitely when someone doesn't want to be found, that's really the main reason why we only give the leads to law enforcement. Even if mm -hmm. a family contacts us and asks, you know, what did you find? We're not mm -hmm. able to share it with them just so that we don't interfere in any investigation around that. I noticed the one where you're talking about burnout. There's a bunch of people that kind of typed it in. I, 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 I just as a, as a general question, because Jason and I have been talking about this quite a bit. This has been a hell of a year for us at BHIS with the webcast and discord and, and all the things I, I feel like this year has been just ridiculous type in discord. How you doing? Are you burnt out? Are you okay? Are you getting by? And just kind of let us know because we've been wondering, we've been wondering how everyone's doing in the community. And I'd like to get an idea of, if, if everyone's kind of hitting that wall that we usually hit in December or hitting in now in October, <laughs> but just kind of let us know. I, I'd appreciate it. So are we ready to kick this off? Yeah, you got a little fluctuation in your video, but I think it's okay. Um, I think it's tr every once in a while, whenever I move, it tries to zoom in yeah, or adjust or something like that. But so I, I'm kind of excited and kind of terrified for this, mm -hmm. for this webcast, Jason, just to be honest, because I'm horrible at mentoring. I, I've had people that have been mentors outside of BHIS are like, I want you to be my mentor. And I'm God awful. They pick up the phone, they call me. I miss most of my mentor calls uh, mm -hmm. with people because I'm doing, 
a lot of gigs and I, 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 I'm, I'm awful. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to Jason providing tips on how to be better. But one of the things I'm going to try to contribute is there's a wide variety of different ways that you can contribute and you can mentor that don't necessarily involve this one-on-one mentor thing where you sit down and you have coffee uh, every, every so often. So there's so many ways to give back to the community. And what we just saw just now with, with Trace Labs, those guys may not be mentors, but they're absolutely leaders and they're absolutely inspirational and they're absolutely helping people in the community. And they're actually mentors in their own way. So with that, Jason, do you want to take it off? And I have not sure. seen the slides, so we're probably going to be doing some yeah. slide roulette. And I'm All just right. going to interject and mess Jason's chain of thought up. So take oh. it away. Perfect. Uh, I'm going to hit the button and hope something happens. And it did not. Oh, thank goodness. There it is. <laughs> All right. So um, a lot of the reason for this webcast today is because I do these twice a week live streams on job hunting. And one of the parts of job hunting is that sometimes you may find a person or something and you don't necessarily want a job from them. You just want to learn from them. You want to mentor them. And I would tell people like, hey, reach out, find a mentor. And a lot of times people are like, like, really? I can find a mentor? Like, how does that work? And I was like, you can ask people to be a mentor. And they're like, but I'm not in high school. And you're like, no, 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 that's okay. And they're like, or they're like, I'm 47. How would I find a mentor? And you're like, it's it's okay. You can ask anyone to be a mentor at any time in your life. And so as soon as we even mentioned this, I asked people to give some feedback and uh, in our mentoring part on the Discord. And we got a lot of great questions. And those questions became the framework for today's webcast. So I wanted to just define a mentor. It's an experienced and trusted advisor. That is what it is, an experienced and trusted advisor. Then. I went to stock photos and I said, if I typed a mentor, what do I get? I got this. And I think that goes back to a lot of us have misconceptions of what is mentors and what is a mentee and can I do is, is it one-on-one? Do I pick a female mentor or a male mentor? Or do I pick a, an older mentor or a younger mentor? Like what is this person? And so I found more stock photos of what mentors was. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a lot of stock photos. And then I found one that I really liked. So I, I bought this one, John. I paid for this one. So the rest of them, I just got, you know, screenshotted. That's fine. Uh, so mentoring is training, motivation, advice, success, direction, coaching, support, and goals. It, it encapsulates. Uh, no, that's not the right word. It, it encapsulates. Encapsulates. Yeah, there you go. It encapsulates all these things. And that is what we'll talk about today. There's going to be memes, and all the memes have deep meaning to go along with it. And uh, the first question was, how do I know if I need a mentor? And I should have a question mark there. And I, and I wanted to put the, are you lost? And then I did a search for lost memes, and I found this one about lost, being lost, watching lost memes. And I thought that was really meta. So deep. Yeah. So it's the, we can all benefit from mentorship at any stage in life. And I, and I use the word thing. Starting new thing, can't figure out thing, don't know what thing to do, where is the thing you need, wish you knew what thing did, what is the meaning of thing? And John, do you have anything to add to it? I got nothing. No, I, I, I think that this one's kind of important because, you know, you're, you're setting the stage, right? You know, whenever somebody's saying, I, I want a mentor, unfortunately, I honestly feel 
having been in that position a number of times, that they're expecting someone to tell them what to do. And I don't think that you should ever try to get someone that tells you what to do. And when you're talking about all these things, you, the two things that you don't want from a mentor is them to tell you what to do, because that's not a mentor, that's a cult leader. Yes. And then the other thing is you don't want somebody that's going to constantly reaffirm what you already believe and what you already think. Ultimately, when you're looking for a mentor, this sounds weird. You're going to want to find somebody that's like a spouse or a life partner, somebody that's going to challenge you and somebody that's going to open your eyes to new things and somebody that's going to continuously help you to grow. And you can't get somebody to help you to grow at all if you're expecting them to tell you what to do or you're expecting them to always agree with you. So when you're talking about these questions that are floating around, I think when you're talking about the thing, you want someone to help you better define that thing rather than telling you exactly what said thing actually is. How do I find a cult leader? This backfired. <laughs> now we have a bunch of people on Discord. They're like, I'm ready to join a cult. Nah, um, yeah, well, I'll show you right now how to find them. Uh, let's find so, that cult. Let's so do it. Find a mentor. I have a particular set of skills, and that's what the live streams I do each week on how to find jobs. It's a job hunting live stream. I have a particular set of skills that I teach other people how to do. And when I was thinking of how to find a mentor, I'm going to show you those. I'm going to demo some things here in a second. But how to find a mentor is, is uh, this is going to sound weird, but John, do you remember Silence of the Lambs? God, this is just not getting us away from the uh, from the yeah, uh, the cult uh, from the thing. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yes, I do remember Clarice. There's this part that really stuck out to me, and it's uh, they were trying to figure out how you know Buffalo Bill picked his first victim, and it said, um, "You begin to covet what you see every day." When I think about finding a mentor, I think about who do you see every day? Who is in your life that you admire? Who is doing the thing that you wish to do at some point in your future? We're going to get a lot of Buffalo Bill and. Um, Stuff memes here in a second. It's going to be great. But look in your own personal life, and it's who do you admire doing something that you want to do in the future? When I finally chose a mentor, and I do say finally, I was a mentor for a long time. My wife has mentors. She has benefited from mentors for like 15 years. And it wasn't until this year I was like, I should probably do that. So what I did is I looked for someone who was doing what I want to do, who was leading his family well, who was doing well in business, who was, and really what I looked for was a non-people pleaser because I'm a people pleaser. And I was like, this person doesn't care about anybody. And that, <laughs> I was like, that's what I need. Uh, so I found someone that had that quality that I was looking for that I didn't have. And so I went to them in a, in a very informal setting. And I said, you know, would you be my, my mentor? And it was awkward. And we'll talk about that awkwardness a little later on. But it's begin where you are and then look for people you admire doing the things that you want to do and then start there. Now, mm -hmm. you can scoot to organizationally. So organization, contact your HR department, not here at Black Hills. We do not have one. CJ, are you here? CJ. But contact your HR department and say, do we have <laughs> a wild CJ appears? You just invoked the HR department. <laughs> the HRS. Am I allowed to do this? No, 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 no. <laughs> See, once again, uh, we don't have a good HR department oh at EHS, but we have one. Yeah. So. so have you contacted your HR department or, or you can at this point and say, do we have a formal mentorship program? And, and some organizations do, like if it's a massive, large 
organization, they have a formal mentor program, and then you can get into that. We generally, I generally don't recommend that your boss is your your mentor or anyone that's in the senior leadership of you specifically as your mentor. It's someone else in the organization. Can uh, I speak it, to that real quick? Yeah. So I, I actually completely agree with that sentiment. Like, if you set out to have your boss be your mentor, you're going to come across as a kiss ass right away. And then the other thing that I, I've seen a lot whenever people have their bosses, uh, when their bosses are their mentors, it also takes, it creates an opening to where that boss can start taking advantage of you. And I saw this, we're, we're going to talk about a, a big five consulting firm here in a second. I saw this run rampant at one of the consulting firms that I started at in years ago where bosses would become the mentors of their employees and they would absolutely take advantage of it. And, you know, just, it's not fair to the boss. It's not fair to the employee. So I agree 110%. Try to find somebody outside of your immediate circle. So once you go past the organization, so now we're personal organization moves to the community and the information security community is amazing. Like I came from the marketing world. I changed my title just to abandon that world that I came from. But now that I'm in the information security world, I see the community that is built. And B-Sides is an amazing tool for community building. And so I'm going to show you how to use B-Sides. I'm going to do a demo right now. So this is B-Sides Orlando. So back in the old days of me being at SANS and just getting started and trying to understand this information security community, I reached out to B-Sides Orlando to be a sponsor. But B-Sides Orlando brought me to, you know, I, I would do OSINT. I did OSINT on, you know, these organizations that I wanted to get to know. And I, here's a trick for you. If you go to what an organization follows on Twitter, so you go to who they follow, not who follows them. You go to who they follow. And you go all the way to the bottom of the list. Twitter adds people chronologically to you who you follow. So the very first person is generally very affiliated with that organization. So I ended up finding Tony Turner. And when I contacted Tony Turner about sponsoring, Tony Turner became an informal mentor of mine and explained all of these sites and all the information community and introduced me to other people. Now, when I went to B-Sides Orlando for the first time, I sought out Tony Turner. I was like, hey, Tony, it's Jason. You know, we'd only talked on the phone. And he like walked me around and said, here's this person. Jason, meet this person. Here's this person. Jason, meet this person. Jason, meet this person. And that is what you're looking for. Who are these connectors in your community that can help introduce you to other people in your community? Now, Tony Turner, you know, being the person that he is, you know, introduced me to a lot of others. And one of those people was Jonathan Singer. Now, if you take a look at Jonathan Singer's here, this Jonathan Singer is very community oriented and he's got a thing called Citrus Sec. So getting more specific to your local community, like this is Central Florida City Sec group where they meet and talk about security virtually and in person when they can. But this is awesome. And you do the same thing. Who do they follow? So when you see who they follow, well, they follow Cigar City Sec. So now you found another one, Swamp Sec, Charm Sec. And they will introduce you to potentially other people in your area. And then you may even find people like Ralph. And Ralph is now with Black Hills Information Security. So I can just ask Ralph to, hey, Ralph, how's it going? So that is how you find people in your area. And start with the B-side. So you type in B-sides, really just, just type in B-sides and the name of your city or country. 
And that is where you get started with that community and then go to their Twitter accounts and then see who they follow and then you'll find more people. Local trade organizations like ISSA, you have OWASP, you have ISACA, you have all those places. Get connected in those local organizations. And then that's a great place to meet, start meeting people. And then that personal connection turns into, hey, would you like to be my mentor? Now, the other one is industry. Now, this one gets a little, this one is the, I'm going to talk to a stranger. Like that is what this is. Like I'm going to find a stranger that I, I admire or I like, and then I'm going to introduce myself to a stranger and then find out if we can connect and learn from each other. And the way to do this is I was on a live stream recently and I had a college student and she said, I'm getting ready to graduate in a year. What can I get? What can I do now? And I said, oh, well, you can find mentors now. And the way I showed her how to find mentors is you go to a large corporation. Generally, it works best in a large corporation or a small one, but you can go to a large corporation. And so I went to Accenture. I went to Accenture and I clicked on the careers tab, which took me to careers. And then they even have the section called like entry-level jobs. And I was like, oh, what's that? And this was all live. Like I was just doing it live. I was like, yeah, I would go here and then I would click here. Hmm, I wonder what happens if I click here. So I go here and I find that they have a blog for careers. I was like, oh, what's on that blog? So I went to the blog and then I found that they had this article right here in Women in Tech on the Fast Track. And I was like, hmm, interesting. So then I went to the article. And then as I went through the article, I found this person and this person and this person and this person and this person. And here's what you do. You take this, you copy it, and then you paste it in LinkedIn. And all of a sudden, you just found that person. And then you click on the message, and then you send them a message. I also what that message look like. I also want to make make it very clear that this copy and paste thing is also important for hacking and pen testing too. So the skill matters, folks. For those of you in information security, if you have these OSINT and recon skills, use them to find your potential mentors and to connect yourself in the local community to network, meet people, and then those people might become mentors. Anything to add, John? Yeah, a couple things. Somebody just popped up and they said Jack Daniel would be a great mentor, but it's probably a long shot. No, Jack is great. If, if, you, if you've ever had any, any time to spend with Jack, he's very open. He is always available at, com- oh, I guess, I don't know if we'll ever have conferences again, but he's very approachable and he'll sit around at restaurants and bars and people will just come up and talk to him all the time. And he's very warm. And you should absolutely look at somebody like that as somebody that you can get some advice from. Because honestly, the best mentoring you get from Jack is just him complaining about what he's seen in the industry. And you learn a tremendous amount in doing that. Also, Jason mentioned Accenture, a little bit of background that I think is is important. Going to a large firm like Accenture can be very valuable because you know he was talking about, let's say we tried to get a job there. We're talking about getting a mentor now, but let's say you wanted to get a job there. And I know that some people look at companies like Accenture and they're like, oh, it's a big five consulting firm. It's probably a grind shop. It's probably hard. It's probably going to do its best to burn you out very quickly. And all that is true. I know I worked at Accenture a long, 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 long time ago. But those firms and those opportunities, even if they suck, are great because they will accelerate your career far greater than almost anything. Because I can tell you right now, I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for Anderson Consulting and Accenture Consulting. So Jason's example of going through, finding people at Accenture, and then reaching out to those people at Accenture works wonders. Because I know, just speaking from Accenture, but also other firms, 
if somebody gets reached out to from the ether and they say, hey, I saw your blog on this and I just wanted to see if I could talk to you a little bit more. You don't want to immediately open with, can, can you be my mentor? Because that's creepy. Right. But yes. You want to ease yeah. into that, right? But if mm-hmm. they, they are out there for a reason. There's blogs out there that they're providing for a reason. And they desperately want to know that what they're putting out into the universe is actually being seen, recognized. And nine times out of 10, if you reach out to somebody and they know that you read what they did, they're going to love it. And there's a lot of great conversation going on in Discord right now. And thank you all for responding to each other. And hopefully we'll find a way to get some of this into the recording. So, all right, next, how to be a mentor. So, wow, I just, I really enjoyed this meme when I found it because it is all about listening. So how to be a mentor, the qualities of a mentor. And if Deb could add this link to go to webinar and into Discord, this is very surfacy. What I did, I was like, how to be a mentor in Google. I was like, how to be a mentor. And I found a bunch of articles and one of them was this one. And I was like, wow, this is great. Relevant experience, expertise, or knowledge. That's the thing is that when you're searching for a mentor, is that you're looking for someone who has relevant expertise or knowledge in the area that you want to grow in. It's not about like, if I'm really good at marketing, you wouldn't want me to be your mentor for InfoSec. Like that's not a thing. So. And that enthusiasm for sharing their expertise. There are people out there, John, I don't know if you ever come across these people. I don't think they work at Black Hills. There's people out there that want to keep all their trade secrets. They want to keep all their knowledge because if I share it with others, well, then they would know it and then they would take my job. And that's terrible. Yeah. You never make your, you, you never shine brighter by dimming others. Yeah. So you're, you're looking for those people that, stand up and present. You're looking for those people that share blogs. You're looking for those people that are in the office or on the virtual meetings or like, hey, I learned a new tool the other day. Let me share it. And you're like, this person likes to share their knowledge and likes to help. Uh, A respectful attitude. Like this is, you know, it's a respectful attitude is that when you go into this mentoring agreement or relationship, is that someone like John was saying earlier that respects that they're not telling you what to do that they're helping you on your own path. And so anyone that starts yeah. telling you what to do is not a mentor. That is someone who's like, well, um, well I remember Alms did an, uh, an impersonation. Let me not do that. Uh, a person who's like, you know, 10 years ago, it was really hard. So I'm going to make it hard on you too. Like that's yeah. not what you're looking for. The eagerness to invest in others. You'll see that pretty much in that first conversation. When you start talking to someone and, and you can tell that they have that eagerness to invest in others, you can, you can tell. The ability to give honest and direct feedback. Hmm. This is important because it's someone like, ah, I mean, maybe like that's a, you might want to do that. And it's like, no, that is the path you're heading down in my own experience is that's what you're looking for. That yeah. direct and honest feedback. And then reflective listening and empathy is that as someone now, I'm 42 years old. And so when I'm sitting with someone who's 26 years old, the best thing I can do is try to remember what it was like to be 26 and to listen to this 26-year-old telling me about the life that they have right now and not saying, well, you know, be different. No, it's like, I, I understand where you are and where you're coming from and let me bring myself to where you're at and see if I can help you from my own empathy. Anything to add, John? Yeah. And this is, I think also a relevant point is beware of a cult of personality. Like 
are you genuinely looking at this person's career and you're basically saying that's something I want to emulate? Or are you just like, hey, this person's famous and I, I, I want to be famous too. You got to figure out specifically what your goal and, and, and your, your core objective is about, about growing and trying to get better. CJ? I see a lot of interesting questions out there, but this one kind of strikes me. It says, it sounds like mentors are being conflated with supporters, tutors, and random people you don't have a long-term relationship. Oh, those Venn diagrams all overlap. No, <laughs> I'm not sure about the one about people you don't have a long-term relationship with. And I don't know what long-term necessarily means, but I've got to say that I've seen a bunch of these things in here. It's like, look, a mentor is a relationship. And how do you find one? You develop a relationship. You grow it the way you grow a friendship, right? There's got to be some sort of initial connection. And then you just have to work at it, right? I mean, it's a developmental. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just start as congratulations. I dubbed the mentee, and don't expect that. For those of you watching right now, I highly encourage you to become a mentor. Like this is my call to action for you today: become a mentor of somebody. So, with that, please don't should all over your mentees. And I would like to thank Deb Wigley for introducing me to this concept of don't should on other people. And that is a word that you're looking for. Don't should all over it. Like you should do this or you should do this. What, they're, what a good mentor is looking for is your plan and asking you questions about what you want to do. What, you, what are your hopes and dreams? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? And they're not saying, well, you should or you should, or I would should do this or should do that. What you're looking for is someone who says, well, what do you want to do? And how can I help you get there? All right. So what you're and and they're listening and they're like, so what you say that you want to do, but what it looks like right now is that you're actually going this way. But what you say you want to do is go this way. So how about we figure out which way you actually want to go? And then you ask questions to help them help your mentee get to where they want to go. So you're helping your mentees develop their own plan based on their hopes and dreams and then hold them accountable to the plan they've created for themselves. There is a Elon Musk, and I don't know if this is real. But he, uh, in his biography, he would ask his people a very amazing question. Instead of saying, I need it done by this date, he would say, when do you feel like you can get this accomplished? And I was like, huh, what a crazy question. Because then that person goes, I feel like I can get this accomplished in three weeks. Then you hold them to that. So that is what you're doing for your mentees. When do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? and then hold them accountable to what they've asked for. John? I do a variation on that. So we're working with developers and people. I'll ask questions like, how long do you think this is going to take? I'm just using developers as an example. And they'll say, I think this is going to take two weeks. And I'll say, great, you have three weeks. And, and the reason why I do that is because I, I know that most of the time, people try to, quote unquote, please me and say, well, I'll get this done earlier. And I know that they're cutting it way tighter than they actually should. So two things happen. One, you're showing that you're willing to give them more time, which shows a certain level of empathy that I think is important. The other thing it does is it it helps prevent some level of burnout associated with what they're actually going to do. And then here's the weird thing. They will bend over backwards now to actually hit that specific goal. So there's ways to actually motivate people, you know, and, and using that kind of theme that you just talked about that can also be effective in a number of different ways, not just in actually getting that specific time frame from them. 
And I saw a question pop up. So what if your mentee just doesn't know what they want to do? And this, no, this that's, was, that's hard. Yeah. This was a part of my life for many years when I was a teacher at, at a film school was I would sit down with these students and I was like, so what do you want to do? And they're like, oh. I don't know. <laughs> and that is where we start. All right. Well, well, let's start with you don't know. And that's okay that we'll start with you don't know. And we're going to work our way up to months from now. You actually know where you want to go. I have a mentee right now that when we started a year ago, they wanted to go down this path. And the reason they wanted to go down this path is because this is where their mother wanted them to go. Or and, yeah. another variation. It's like, what do you want to do? I want to make $100,000 as quickly <laughs> as possible. <laughs> it's like, uh, Marcello, you got a question? Yeah, I got a few of them. So how do you handle mentor rejection? Is there a polite way to ask them for someone else to contact to be a mentor? Uh, I think we'll cover that here in the next few minutes. Awesome. Okay. And uh, what do you do about cold feet or fear of rejection when approaching these people? I guess that's sort of the model. So I've got to be honest. I, I, I know for a fact that I've had people come to me at conferences and try to talk with me. And I'm busy. And I know for a fact that I've hurt people's feelings. And if any of you are on this webcast. Including um, some you, of your employees at that same. Yeah, company. sometimes employees. And I know this happened at Sands. Because we had people coming up trying to be instructors. And they'd be like, you need to go talk to John. And then they grab me in my 10-minute break or 20-minute break while I'm going to the bathroom. And they're like, well, he was just kind of an ass. He just kept walking off in this direction because I had to pee. So I, I think a lot of whenever you're trying to do that, the timing matters. So if they're just sitting around staring off blankly into space, sit down next to them and say hi. If they're walking from point A to point B, it's probably not a great time to just jump in. If they're getting ready to get on stage, it's probably not a great time. And I know that this is hard, but I, I know for a fact that there's a number of people that are in the InfoSec thought leader realm. And they feel awful because they're busy. They feel awful because they've had to reject people. And just understand that sometimes people are really, really, really insanely busy. And a lot of it has to do with timing. One of the things I think that works well is if I'm sitting down, let's say at DerbyCon, a moment of, of, of silence for remembrance of DerbyCon. If I'm sitting down at like a Hard Rock Cafe or at uh, the Rodizio, and you just come and sit down at our table and just start hanging out and talking and asking questions, I love that. That's great. That's a great social time. But once again, if you see people going between point A and point B, bad time to just jump in. It's, it's, it's kind of like that whole asking uh, somebody out on a date. Timing matters, right? Mm -hmm. And it's going to be very similar to that. And we got three more rapid fire ones. So how do you let people know that you can mentor people? Well, on the Discord channel, we have a new section called Seeking Mentor and Seeking Mentee. So if you are a person who's willing to mentor someone else, you can go to that Discord channel and say, I'm willing to give a little brief history of who you are and what type of topics that you would like to cover. And then that way you can say, I'm willing to be a mentor. And then the people who are seeking mentors can seek you out and send you a direct message. But there's also other, like someone posted, there's hashtag mentor Monday. There's other opportunities for you to search and find, or if you're in an organization, contact your HR department and say, I'm looking to mentor some of our junior uh, people right now. So I just had somebody point out, they're like, so really, you'd be okay with just somebody randomly sitting at your table? I'd hate that. I think that gets into a personal preference. But personally, I'm very gregarious whenever I'm done with conferences at the end of the day. 
if we have a big table and there's room, if it's just me and my wife, you don't want to just pull up a chair. (laughs) That's going to get awkward. You two two are going to start talking and I'm going to feel like I'm the fifth wheel and and, and it's just going to be weird. But no, if it's like a group of people and they're all hanging out, jump in. Remember guitar jams? Oh, guitar jams. That was great. Yeah, we used to play music all the time at conferences. We'd bring a bunch of acoustic guitars and we'd just sit around. And I got to know so many really cool people from that, not because they were playing music, just because they showed up and listened. And, you know, it's, it's great. There's so many ways. You just got to look for those opportunities and take them. There's so many and, stuff uh, about cults now. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Marcella. For those that I have mentored and have mentored me, colleagues, friends, is it all very, it's all very awkward. Is that normal? Yes, absolutely. 100% awkward to ask someone to be their ment- to be your mentor. 100% every single time. Because it, it, it does feel like, will you go out with me? It, it, like that's that same fear, rejection, the awkwardness of the Valentine's heart. I made this for you. I really admire you as a person. I just wanted to know if you would be. Yeah, it's every time. Go ahead, Martel. And uh, how can burned out people be an effective mentor? I feel the same way. I, I just don't think you can. I think it's a, no. it goes the other way. You've got to wait for the right to be a yeah. mentor. Well, yeah, there's a, there's a disagree. Well, I, you can disagree, but I have this, this old uh, saying that if your cup is empty, then you have nothing to give to others. And so you have to have a full cup or you, you have to fill your cup with love and happiness and joy, and then you can spill that out to others. Because if you're no. not, totally disagree. Here's why: right. when you feel bad and when you feel unempowered, go help somebody. That is also true. I, I would agree with that. And, yeah. and sometimes when I get mad and I get pissed, I, I grab a pen of all the people who won't be missed. But that's different. <laughs> Old Father Bear is like, do you really have to be like, will you be my mentor? Let's talk about that coming up. So how to be a mentee. So we talked about how to be a mentor, how to be a mentee. So also link down here. You know, feel free to post it in the good webinar and in the Discord. Qualities of a mentee. Remember that your mentor is a volunteer. Like they volunteer. And so it is up to you to schedule those volunteer moments. When it comes to my mentees, they set the agenda. They set the schedule. I do not chase my mentees. If they don't call me one week, I don't hear from them. I don't call them up and say, where you at? We do. We up to. I don't. I established that in the beginning that this relationship is based on how much you want to engage with me. I am available these times and it's up to you to engage. And then I will volunteer my time if that time is available at that time. And if it is not, I will let you know what time it is available. And then that way we can set up a time then. Take responsibility for your own learning. So a lot of times a mentor will say, here's a book I highly recommend. And I would prefer that you would read this before the next time we meet. And they're not telling you what to do. But like, I prefer, like, I encourage you to read this. And if you like, go, okay, and then don't buy that book. Don't do any of those things. Don't follow through with anything the mentor asks you to do. Like, that, that's, that's not a good, like, that's not. Uh, develop trust. And a way to develop trust is to let your mentor know when you are struggling. Let your mentor know that I did buy the book. I bought it. And then my life went to the crapper. And over the last four weeks, since the last time we met, this has happened. This has happened. This has happened. And I know they're not excuses. 
but this is the way my life is right now. And I apologize. And the mentor says, all right, well, let's talk about that. So it sounds like you have some immediate needs. What can I help you with? Instead of saying, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> we have a thing in our house that the, uh, when someone asks you how you're doing and the louder your response is, like the high, more high pitch it is in response, the more you're lying. Like, so how are you doing? Like, that's good. Thanks. Uh, set realistic expectations with your mentor. And that's a very good first couple of sessions where you say, my expectations are we're going to meet once a month for 30 minutes. My expectations are that you uh, will be available through email at least once a week. My expectations, not your desires, my expectations. So you have to just make sure that your desires and your expectations are in a good place. Because a lot of times we desire things, but then they become expectations. So you have to express your expectations so that way everyone understands. And this is the biggest one of all. Come to each meeting with a prepared agenda of what you want to talk oh. about. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say that that's probably the biggest mistake that the people I've worked with in the past, they just get on the call and they don't say anything. The, mm-hmm. the, the, it's polite kind of banter back and forth, but they're just waiting. Are you going to drop some knowledge now? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, it really is your agenda. And as a mentor, one of the first things that you can do is like, well, what would you like to talk about today? And as a mentee, and we'll talk about this a little bit, it's like, well, today on my agenda, I would like to talk about the fact that I just got a raise at work. Or I would like to talk about the fact that I would like to make a transition from this type of role to this type of role. Or on my agenda today, I have this thing happening in my life. Like, this is my agenda for what I want to cover today. And then provide feedback to your mentor. The currency of mentorship is gratitude. And I don't have a slide for that. I just want you to remember this. The currency of mentorship is gratitude. The currency of mentorship is gratitude. It is the thank you for what you said last time. Thank you for your help right now. Thank you for getting back to me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for connecting me with that person. Thank you. And what you said last time really resonated with me. I shared it with a few friends of mine. Like that is where the mentor is like, yes. That actually worked. Yeah. So mentees, don't just wait for your next turn to talk. Listen, uh, there's when you're meeting with a mentee and you, the mentor, are sharing your advice, sharing your wisdom. And all of a sudden that person just goes, yeah, but you're not listening. You're just waiting to talk. Okay. So for you, mentee, listen, take it in, ask a reflective question based on what you just heard and use the advice given and your hopes and dreams to develop a plan based on what is wise for you and what you want to accomplish. And remember, you are not living out your mentor's plan for your life. That's not how mentorship works. That's like John said, a cult. And and you also can't fully expect to follow the path that a mentor followed. I I think that, that whenever you're a mentor, you end up rambling a lot about, well, at least I do about your path and the things that you did and what you experienced and all these things. And I think mentees need to understand that we're not saying that, like you have to do the exact damn thing that I did. But as a mentee, whenever you're working forward and you're trying to find your path, by listening to the narratives and the stories of other people, it'll help equip you to be able to handle the challenges that you're facing. So here's an analogy. I love the avatar, the, the cartoon. The one with Aang in particular. Well, the one with Korra works too. And there's always these scenes in the Avatar where the Avatar goes through and talks to previous Avatars who are literally Korra and Aang's mentors. 
and they can sit there and they can have a conversation with previous avatars. And a lot of times the avatars give them advice. A lot of times avatars say things that may be completely wrong, but they're sharing their perspective and their history. And then that helps the avatar in that cartoon move forward from that particular point, many times finding their own path in their own way. I'm using a cartoon here, but I'm using this as an example. So if you're sitting down with a mentor and you're taking from it, all he did is he sat there and he talked about his past. That past is what got that person to that point. There's something to learn there. Listen and find what the lesson actually is. It may not be directly relevant to what you're working through now, but it may be relevant in the future. And I had this on the mentor section and the mentee section. If you go into a mentor-mentee relationship, and if you go into every session with this, ask follow-up questions and listen more than you talk. That is the one thing I have to remind myself before I go into any mentor session. Listen more than you talk. Listen more than you talk. Because I love to talk. I'm talking now for this whole hour. Like I get to talk. And so I am listening right now to all the things happening in the Discord. But when I go into a one-on-one mentor session, it is, Jason, remember to listen more than you're going to talk today. And the same thing for the mentee. If they go and saying, listen more than I'm going to talk today. And if you both have that type. Now, I know you're like, is this a staring contest? Is that what happens? No, it's the, just the reflective mindset of I'm going to listen today. Here's the self-doubt moment. You've listened to this for the last 39 minutes and inside your brain that that voice has been saying, but why would anyone want me to mentor them? Or why would anyone want to mentor me? That is the first hurdle to overcome. Like That is the first hurdle to overcome. The reason why somebody would want you to mentor them is because you have knowledge that they don't. And the reason why I would want to mentor somebody is because I get to share that knowledge with somebody who doesn't have it yet. Like, it is beneficial for me and it is beneficial for them. There was on Sunday, I was doing a mentee session, mentor mentee session. And the advice I was giving to my mentee was the exact same advice I needed to give to myself. And I'd forgotten it. And I was like, well, you know, ah, oh, damn it, Jason. That is all right. Okay. So it's like, It helped me by helping them. And the same thing for you. You're going to help yourself by helping others. John, some of the ideas we have for Black Hills Information Security content community have come from me sitting down with a mentee and saying, here's some of the things I did in the past. And I had forgotten that I did those things until I was talking to this mentee. And I was like, oh, that would really work for Black Hills. Well, but there's a lot of times you do that. Like you'll start telling a story about something that you did back in the comic book days. Mm-hmm. And, and then it's just like kind of turns into this, turns into this, well, crap, we can do that. We can do yeah. something like that here. And I, and I think that the key point on this slide is conversation. I think that we've gotten to the point for a lot of us that we suck at direct human conversations with, I don't want to say strangers, but people that are not immediate family and immediate best friends. And I think all of this is about having better conversations to get that, that, those juices flowing in both directions. Mm-hmm. How to ask someone to be a mentor. All right. And I, I, I found this meme and I was like, yes, yes, that's perfect. Because the meme, if you don't know, is Homer sink, sinks back into the bushes to disappear. And that is what I think most of us think will happen when we ask someone to be a mentor, that they're like, they just sink back into the bushes. And that is not the case. So what I would love for you to do is when you reach out to people, you do not say, I would like to pick your brain. That, please don't say, I want to pick your brain. It is not about picking your brain. 
Be specific in why you're reaching out. And I have an example on the next slide of what this email looks like or what this message looks like to somebody or what the phone call looks like or whatever you want to do. But don't ask to pick your brain. Say, I really liked in that last webcast you did, or I really liked in this blog, or I love that at work you, you really pour into your employees and I want to get like that as a leader. Or I see that you have this technical knowledge that I don't have and I would love to learn more about that. Like it is specific in your why for reaching out. Introduce yourself. When you introduce yourself, it's just saying, hi, I'm, I'm Jason, or hi, I'm John, or hi, I'm so-and-so. Like I'm just introducing myself. You're going to have that first initial get to know each other. And then during that get to know each other, you'll, you'll hit it off. Or will you? Or you not? There is that I've talked to people sometimes, and I got a chance to go to a speed networking session for mentors. And what it was, was there was 15 people willing to be mentors, and there was like 60 people willing to be mented, 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 mented. I don't know, yeah. mented. And they, at one point, they're like, all right, everyone, it's like a speed dating session. And I was like, no, no, it's not. Like got awkward. But I, I sat down at a table, and then I had seven people who were interested in being a mentee of mine sat down, and we had a, just a real quick 10-minute conversation. And then we scored them in order of who we, we would want to mentor at the highest and who we'd want to mentor the least. And I was really scoring on like, I don't think I have anything to offer this person, or I don't think that the path they want to go down is anything I can help them with. Like that is where I was scoring. And then the mentee also scored in the reverse of who they would want to be mentored by. And they were doing the same thing. Who do I see would help me go down the path that I'm wanting to go down? And then what they did is they took the people who had the same you know, pretty much scores for each other. And then they paired us together. And it was a really cool experience that I got to do. But it was like, get to know each other. Did you hit it off? And then there is that formal, will you be my mentor? And that, that is different. So some of you are like, it, it's different than going steady or being just a friend. Like there's a I so. formal, like, I know it's a lot of dating metaphors today, but there's a formalness to, will you be my mentor? Because that's what starts that actual mentor relationship. John? Oh, and I was also going to kind of throw out a lot of people in security have hobbies outside of security. Like mm -hmm. I know there's a number of people that get together and they go on runs and there's people like I've, I've, I've tried to get people together at like DEF CON and Black Hat to go mountain biking up at Blue Diamond. And there's opportunities. Like I know there's groups that go shooting at, at DEF CON. There's great opportunities to actually get to know people, mentors and mentees. And you shouldn't always be just focusing on one person. But if you get into these social groups and you're doing something outside of security and you're not in LobbyCon or HallCon, it really gives you a better opportunity to establish a relationship with somebody that is better than just, you know, hey, I'm going to be your mentor. Well, I'm going to be your mentee. But you have something else that you can actually have conversations about. And I just noticed that that helped. God, this is sounding a lot like trying to date people. Yeah, yeah. humanity just asked uh, next BHIS webcast. Can we be how to date and just replace the mentor slot? Not, not on this channel, but yes, we can. No, not on this channel. Yeah, no. Yeah. Look, I, I go back to look. People are talking about how awkward it is to approach. And your question: Will you be my mentor? It's like walking up to somebody in a bar and saying, "Will you be my girlfriend?" Like I, I don't know. You've got. To, <laughs> this is a relationship. And, and John, uh, another thing. So I'm disagreeing with you an awful lot today. For one, you're a mentor to me, and you're my boss. And I've had a great number of, of bosses who've been my mentors. But um, 
but let's also back up on that. Okay. We're hijacking Jason's con. I call, I call bullshit on that. And the reason why is whenever I first went to Northrop Grumman, you were my mentor, right? And, you know, we, we were kind of working together. So I, I don't, I don't know. It, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's always something that goes both Look, ways. That's been here. I just saw somebody says, I'm an older guy wanting to get into this field. And is it that's okay to tough. have a younger ment- mentor? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Because Absolutely. the question, and, and you could be mentors, like we could be mentors to each other because we have different strengths and areas where we can provide something of value. But that's how you know the mentor-mentee thing is successful. You have that's right. now. You're no longer, you're no longer like, you know, I always thought whenever I was teaching at SANS, like, oh my God, I'm working with all these InfoSec heroes. And then after a while, they're my colleagues. And I think that that's probably the the successful transition whenever you're no longer looking at like, well, what's the relationship with CJ? Am I his mentor today? And it just becomes a conversation, right? And you develop friends and we've completely taken over. Jason's presentation now, because that's ultimately where you want it to go. Because Jason, I know some of your mentors. You've told me in the past, and a lot of them, just seeing you interact with them and talking about the, you to talk about stories, they're not your mentor anymore. They're your friends. They're a confidant. They're somebody that you can you can talk to. It doesn't take away that role. Mentor is a role, and it should be in the context probably of another relationship. And and if you don't, that's why I think approaching somebody coming off stage, that's only the very beginning. If you've never met them, that's only the beginning of a relationship. And whether they're going to become a mentor probably takes a longer term investment of time on both parts. So, yeah. So, this slide right here, I just want you to screenshot. Like, this is the screenshot slide here. Just screenshot this one real quick. Because this is the, well, what do I say? How do I reach out? How do I make that first introduction? And I always follow the five sentences. If you've ever seen my live stream on job hunting, it's five sentences. Whenever you reach out to somebody, it's the why I'm reaching out. Get very, like, this is why I'm reaching out. Who I am, why I care about you specifically, what I'm asking for, and how to reach me back. So I give an example here. I don't have to need to read it all out, but this is the one you screenshot. This is the one that you take with you. Because it's a very very specific formula. It answers the who, what, where, why, and how. It's how human beings like to comprehend stories. There's a hook, a beginning, middle, climax, and end. All of it encapsulated in five sentences. And it has worked for the last 20 years for me. So please, feel free. Marcello, do you have questions? Yes, I have a couple of them. Is there a rough idea on how much time you should dedicate or expect to for mentoring someone? We can get to like a time-boxed mentorship. Like we're going to do this for 11 weeks. That can be a formal part of the the expectations. Like, would you mentor me for the next three months? Would you mentor me for the next year? And then at the end of that year, we can reassess. It can also be the, which I I don't know if you're going to say, would you be my lifelong mentor? It's more of a period of time and we're going to cover that. But um, is that answering your question? I forgot what the question was. I I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that answers it. Any particular individuals to seek out when unsure about your end goals in the industry? It's the who is doing something that you admire. That's a good litmus test of is there someone out there that you admire doing something? It could be in your in your company, could be in your community, could be a person who's getting up on stage. You know, back to the do I admire this person? And would I like to learn from them? And last one, uh, when does it make sense to become a mentor, right? Out of college after X years on the job? That's a good one. So, when you're asked. Yeah. 
The other thing I, I talk to the Black Hills employees about sometimes is they're like, well, I don't know what to give a webcast about. And it's like, well, what do you know today that you didn't six months ago? No, well, I know this. And like, well, that'd be a good webcast. And I'm like, really? I was like, yes, because there's someone who today doesn't know that thing that you're now six months ahead of. Like, oh, so that's a, what mentorship is. It's about being uh, further along in a journey and being able to show somebody where you've come from and how you, they can get there too. Now, someone asked a question on Discord the other day. It's like multiple mentors and yes, multiple mentors. So my wife has three different mentors that she's had for at least, I think, five to 10 years, somewhere in that. that. And she has a, a technical mentor. She has a relationship slash political mentor because in, poli- in business, there is politics and how to navigate the political waters of where you work. And then she has a leadership mentor and she meets with them on a regular basis. And when she does, she has an agenda. She sets the schedule. She does all those things, but they have helped her over the years. So I wanted you to know that having more than one mentor does not make the other mentor jealous. There is nothing there. That's not a thing. The, the mentor should be like, oh, that's awesome. You have other mentors. That's fantastic that are helping you in different aspects of your life. So the questions that keep coming up, like, well, how do I pick a mentor? Where do I go? It's like, well, what do you want? that mentor to help you with. So there's career mentors. And we've talked a lot about the informal mentors today. And when I was showing these slides to my wife, I was like, what am I missing? She's like the informal mentor. And this is the person who is not your, will you mentor me mentor? They are the person who you trust, who you contact on a regular basis saying, I have this question. I have this thing. I have this. Would you possibly help me with this? We have tons of informal mentors. And it's good to identify those people and know that you have them in your life. Leadership mentors, business, relational, technical, and hobby mentors. So I'm starting on a new hobby. And when I started down that new hobby path, I immediately found someone who I knew in my life that has done well in that hobby. And I contacted them and I was like, hey, I'm starting down this path of this hobby. Would you? And I actually said, will you mentor me in it? And he's like, absolutely. Heck yeah. I can't wait to share this knowledge with you. So. That's what happens. All right. So what is the difference between mentors, friends, tutors, career counselors, et cetera? Mostly it's who you pay and who you don't. Like that is the main difference. Like who you this pay. Is, you this don't. is just going back to dating again. I just. <laughs> so wrong. Really, it's about accountability. Good it's job. about accountability. And so the reason why it's about accountability is that who do you in your life want to hold you accountable for your plans, goals, and where you want to get? Cause it's not a friend. Like I don't want a friend to hold me accountable. Like you can disagree with me. You can be like, Jason, no, I love when my friends hold me accountable. No, I don't want my friend looking at me when I go to eat something, judging me for the thing I'm about to eat because I asked them to hold me accountable. Like that's not what I want a friend to do. So a mentor is someone that you, you're asking to formally hold you accountable. Now, tutors, yes, my daughter has a tutor, but it doesn't really hold her accountable. It just helps her when she has questions. Now, a career counselor is a person you pay to hold you accountable and to give you advice. If you're like, I don't know how to find a mentor, well, you can always pay someone to do it for you. Life coaches are generally amazing cheerleaders. Uh, I don't know how good they are at mentoring. You can always disagree with me, but they're fantastic cheerleaders. They're the ones that are like, yes, you're going to make it. So what do you think? uh, Silicon Valley, the one guy, uh, what is it? I think his name's Bill Stein. He has a life coach and his life coach just follows him around with beads and keeps saying things. What do you think (laughs) is it you should be doing? It's like, that's brilliant. Yes, that's brilliant. 
So I have down here spouse, partner, significant other. I fall into the realm of never. I never want my spouse to hold me accountable for anything. Like that's me personally, because I don't want. Once again, I don't want them being the one that says, "Did you write today? Did you do this today? Did you do?" I'm like, oh, geez, like, could you just be my spouse? So it's back to the who do you want to hold you accountable? Which is why I like the formal mentorship because these people are generally people you don't see on a daily basis. They're not in your chain of command. They're not someone that's going to be. They're not someone who's going to watch and judge you on a consistent basis. You're going to meet with them on a set schedule and you say, here's where I've been since the last time we met. And I'm like, cool. You said you wanted to be at this point. Where are you right now? And you're like, well, this is where I'm at right now. Okay, great. So what's it discussed during a mentoring session? Uh, just on with an agenda. The mentor says, what would you like to discuss today? The mentee says, my agenda for today. The mentor listens, asks questions based on the agenda. Mentor answers, listening. And this is the main part I want you to take away from today. As a mentor, when you're meeting with somebody, this is the official way to end the session. What is your one takeaway from today? What is your next step? Because that lets the mentor know that you are listening. Because you're like, well, um, my one takeaway from today is, and my next step is. So that way you know where the mentee's heading and that they were listening and paying attention. Yeah. And, and sometimes the mentees are going to say, I, I, I don't know. And that's okay. That's valid. Mm-hmm. But it's at least that then I guess their takeaway is they're going to think about it. And yes. sometimes, sometimes you get into some very heavy conversations and it's not as clear cut as do X, Y, and Z. There's a, there's a thing around that about a fool can ask more questions than a wise man can answer. And mm-hmm. oftentimes there's no answer to some of your questions. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. not a right answer anymore. Someone asked the question, how to make the best use of everyone's time. This is the exact same slide as the one before. That's how to make the best use of everyone's time. Yeah, I just and paste. Copy and paste. Yeah, it's just it's a different meme. And it's like, it's the same one purpose. Yes. That is how you make sure you don't waste anyone's time. All right. So when to end a mentoring relationship? I'm on my like last slide here. Is this a breakup or a graduation? You know, back to the dating analogies and stuff. Like, is this a breakup? Do you have time limits on like a formal time limit? Let's that three to six months, the one year. Take stock of your needs and goals. And you're like, well, my needs and goals have changed. And I don't feel like this mentor can get me to where I want to go at this point. You disengage with gratitude. Thank you so much for the time that you've invested in me up until this point. But we're going to just move on. Be transparent and direct while ending the relationship saying, yeah, at this time, uh, I'm in a different part of my life and I'm looking for a different mentor that can help me there. And I just really appreciate where you've gotten me and keep the door open. Like, well, at some point in the future, I would love to come back potentially and be mentored again. If the case may change. And I love this picture of Mario. That is the most insane game board ever created for Mario. And the reason why I have it on here is because sometimes you move to a different level. And when that level is over, it's time to find someone to help you with that level. And they, the person that was helping you with the previous level, they don't have the skills and the abilities to help you with the new level. And the quest continues. Like We all Kent, keep going. Kent just said, don't forget to update your status on Facebook. <laughs> and then please don't ghost your mentor. They will think about you. They're like, I wonder what they're up to. I wonder if they're okay. Now, they won't call you because that's not the part. There's, I hope they're okay. Uh, I've had a mentee ghost me before. And yeah, there was no closure. Wow, there's a lot of metaphors here. All right, and that is it. 
just on time. Yeah. What? It's Perfect. over? It yeah. is. I mean, we're going to stick around for post show banter, but uh, yes, the, the recording, this will be the end. My wife also, when she reviewed the slides today, she's like, oh, you got to let that sink in. Okay. But, but, yeah. All right. Hey, Jason, where can they find the recording? I want to make sure recording, the recording will find you. The recording, if you're watching it right now, how meta is this? The recording is on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, which will be posted. Where everything goes. Yeah. We answered it wrong. It's now over. Goodbye. Yeah. I, I, I still come back to, I, I think that this is an incredibly important thing and it's just, it's just wishy-washy. Like the, like the conversation between CJ and I, I think some of your best mentor-mentee relationships aren't, aren't codified mentor-mentee relationships and that works pretty well. But I think you're right. At some point you do transition to where you're friends and then you just bicker and then you're like an old married couple like CJ and I, again, which once again goes back to relationships. You're not going to do that, are you? We're going to formally end the webcast today. We know a lot of people have to bail, but uh, if you can still stick around, stick around. And and if all the other people can turn their cameras and lights back on, uh, we'll see if we can answer these questions as a panel. Also, Adrian and Alex are here from Trace Labs. Ah. Missing persons CTF that they do, uh, where they help find missing persons using OSINT CTFs. Right. And thank you all for being here today. Really appreciate it. And hopefully you become a mentor and hopefully you, you seek out someone to mentor you because it is a relationship that's going to help you in your life and your career. And I highly recommend it. All right. And I've got a bail. I can't be on post-show banner because I've got like meetings after meetings and we're working a bunch of incidents right now. So okay. thank you everybody for attending and I will see everybody later. And if you ever need a pen test, you know where to find us. Yeah. I got about that. There we go. Or IR work, because we're doing a lot of that now. Any questions we didn't get to, Marcello or CJ, or anything that was a little pertinent? So, um, so, go ahead, Deb. I was going to say, Jordan asked a really good question. He says, how can we better crowdsource mentoring? I don't it seems think like there's a lot of uh, adversity around asking someone out on a date. So you looking for an app? Right? Can we pool community resources for mentoring? Well, I would say a lot of people say that we do that on a weekly basis during our webcast. We mentor a lot of people. But as far as that, we don't get to talk to them. They can ask questions for the most part, but it's not really like this opportunity to build a relationship over time with somebody. Like we show up, we teach, we cover things, but I wouldn't say we're mentoring. Well, yeah, I'm going back to this again and again. This is about developing a relationship. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can automate it. And I don't think you can crowdsource it. I mean, that can be the opening. This channel, these channels, I've actually offered to mentor people off of Discord here. I've offered to mentor people off of email that I'm working with a, a customer on a sales call. I've ended up in mentor relationships. It, it's so weird how you just kind of like get to it. But I don't think there's a formula or I mean, you can make opportunities like by having a Discord channel, but you're not going to make it happen necessarily. And I, I know that this is a wishy-washy soft skills topic. Like, I, I can tell that when we do a pen testing thing, 3,000 people register. If I do a wishy-washy soft skills thing, we get 1,500 people registering. And thank you for being here. But this isn't, you know, it's so, like you said, wishy-washy. Like, how do I do this? Well, it's the, uh, I spelled it out here in a whole bunch of slides, but. Now it's the doing it part and the imposter syndrome kicks in, the self-doubt kicks in, the, all those things kick in of like, why would this person want to mentor me or why would I want to, men- 
someone want to learn from me. And that's the hardest, the biggest hurdle to overcome is the, I have something to share or I have something to learn. I'm going to say it's that first one to get over that hurdle. That's the hardest. Once you start sharing your knowledge, once you start mentoring, it becomes so much easier. And it's like Jason said, like you learn from each other and it becomes something that you actively seek out then. And yeah, but it's that first one to get over. I say don't don't make this a big, formal, crazy, weird hurdle. Oh, I'm a mentor. No. All you're looking at is can I look at there's a guy that was working at Chipotle and he used to see me working in there at lunch. And, and he started talking to me. He asked me what I was doing. And we just started talking about it. And um, he was interested in getting into the tech field. He was going to community college. He was working at Chipotle. And so I told him what I did. And he's like, wow, did you, you tell me like how I can get into this? I was mentoring him. He asked for something. He asked for how do I do something, accomplish something. And it was just so natural. Like he and I had seen each other dozens of times, you know, had sort of a little thing going. It's just friends. and. And boom, you just start helping him achieve his goals. And I think that's one of the key things. Mentorship is around helping people achieve some sort of a goal, which Jason clearly identified. So. Yeah. And for all of you watching right now, what CJ just did is what like a mentoring session is. CJ gives a story based on the thing that you want to do. And then you take out of that story the thing that you want to learn from it. Like that is a clear cut example of what it's like in a mentoring session. Any final questions before we move on to Adrian and Alex to talk about Trace Labs and their Trace Labs, Trace Labs, Trace Labs. <laughs> I think there was one more question, which what's the best way to get a taste of the different fields out there, which sort of relates to mentorship into different taste. fields? A um, taste of different fields. Yeah. Taste of different fields. I, I replied to the person saying that you might want to take just take a training, like if take a training and whatever you're trying mm-hmm. to get a taste of, that's probably a good way of. You know what? Just go get a job in it and see. Jobs don't have to last forever. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, that's true. I, but I, I got I laid off from systems engineering and had an opportunity to go do help desk and, and look where it took me. I I do like getting the community college catalog because I flip through it all the time. Like, is there anything out here I want to learn? Hmm. Ooh, anything in here I want to teach? So maybe that's a good place to get started. 